Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the SC Hardback Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namoski. Welcome to the top four. We are at the prelim final stage of our SC send-off early four more episodes ago, and today we are with the Melbourne Storm. So uh, very good one to talk about here because it's a team of, obviously it's a, it's a very relevant super coach team, relevant as the past. I'm not sure, but it's very interesting to get into. So let's get right into it, guys. The opening thoughts for the 2023 Supercoach season for the Melbourne Storm. I would have to say it is a, the best way to describe it is it's a very vice-captain team. What I mean by that is you'd be very happy to stick the VC on in a very good matchup with one of your Melbourne Storm guns, but you're very hesitant to slap the C on them. Guys, we'll talk about Grand Hughes, Munster, Meany, Katoa, Warbrick, you know, all these guys that play well this year where if it's the blue icon next to their name, the VC, you're feeling very good. If it's the uh, yellow C, um, you start to hesitate a little bit. And I think that's the best way to describe their season. In previous years, there was a couple of guys in the Melbourne Storm team, you're lock and load. I think Munster and Pappy, obviously the two ones that you think of there in the past, obviously Cam Smith uh, as well. But yeah, for whatever reason this year, just one of those teams where if you captained a Melbourne Storm guy, there was a good chance that he got a 30 or a 130, just depending on the week. So that's my opening thoughts. Let's get right into it. Who is the MVP for the Melbourne Storm's 2023 season? I'll give it to Harry Grant. The reason why, three reasons. One, there's not a bigger discrepancy right now between the best player in a position and number two. I think Harry Grant is the premier hooker. If you draft Harry Grant, you save his house in that hooker spot. In classic, I think a lot of us have made uh, mistakes in previous years, you know, worrying about origin period and trading mount and wasting trades on hooker. I think hooker's going to turn one of position similar to front row. Just grab your gun and stay with it all season. Don't worry about trading. Save trades. Harry Grant is a gun. This year, an average of 73. He was the... Uh, Average draft position of six this year. Finished at overall 13. First hooker, a 73.5 average. He had four ton, five tons to his name this year. A high of 149. Showed he had a bit of a ceiling. His hundreds this year, 105, 104 to start the season. But then he goes 123, 149, 110. Sprinkling a 95 in there as well. A 91 as well. He was a guy that you could just literally plug in there this year and do an absolute job for you. There were some low scores. Don't get me wrong. There were some weeks where, you know, I hadn't seen him of a VC. There was a 44, a 31, back-to-back 34s in round uh, 12 and 14. But again, you kind of look at the, from round 15 onwards, 123, 48, 73, 95, a low of 36 against Newcastle. That was actually a good game. 149, 57, 110, 59, and 70. So he was a gun. He'll be a gun again next year. I think a lot of that attack, you know, the Melbourne Storm forwards weren't there this year. He's still dominated through the middle there. So Harry Grant, I think, is an easy MVP, and he will be the first Storm player off the board, you would think, for next year, potentially. Who else is in the greats? Is any other greats I'll throw in there? I will throw Jerome Hughes in there. Uh, Finished with a 70 average. He was a player who people were hiding before the season. He had an average draft position of, uh, where is he here? He had a average draw position, and that is why I'm sitting in the classic. Let me just quickly back into draft here. Yeah, Jerome Hughes, one of those guys, there was a lot of preseason hype about him heading into the season. 
which did drive up the value that he had. He finished in a, a drive, average draft position of 14. Um, he was a 31 player overall, the fifth halfback with a 78, 70.8 average. Um, had 300s to his name, so you know, not as strong, but when he did go big, 119, 109, and a 156 against Parramatta Eels. The back end of the season, really from about round 11 on, um, he was in really good form. So I think Jerome Hughes is one of those guys at halfback. Um, you obviously, if you miss out on Cleary and Hines, um, he falls into that Johnson, DCE, Mitch Moses kind of group where you're looking at a late first into the second round. You can lock down your halfback for the rest of the season. So they're the two greats. I'll throw one more in there just to sneak him in. I do think you can throw Ellie Katoa in there when he was there. He was pick 160 overall as average draft. He finishes 97 overall. The 26 second row with a 64 average. But there was quite a few injury-affected games there. When you look at the back end of the season when he was on the park uh, from round 22 is when he came back. Yeah, 66, 33, 95, 127, and 82. Uh, at the start of the season, 54, 92, 64, 96. Um, and then obviously had a couple of injuries there. So I think with a full another full preseason at the Melbourne Storm, with some injury luck on that Jerome Hughes side, he looks very good next year. I've got him very high inside the top 30. I've uh, already started to get a bit of pushback on that, but I am a firm believer heading to next year, give him a healthy offseason, another season in that Storm system next to Jerome Hughes. I just think that... Um, Crash plays close to line with Harry Grant. I think line balls with Jerome Hughes. I think decoy runs where the he attracts the attention with a fullback swinging at the back if that's Ryan Pappenhausen. He's going to be in for a very, very big year. Who are the goods? Who are the guys that, you know, you're happy you draft? I think you throw a couple of guys in here. I think Nick Meany with a 68 average. Obviously, no Pappenhausen um, for the majority of Supercoach. So you're able to get a very good return there. I think Cam Munster with a 71. We kind of know who Ken Munster is at this point. Uh, I do think Josh King at a 57.5 average. I think he's one of the guys as your third 2RF. You're pretty happy with where you got him. You, he was uh, average drop position 214. Uh, so there's obviously nothing to sneeze at there. But Brick Will Warbrick had a slow start of the season. Finished with a 50 overall average. Uh, and he was one of those guys that could really decide uh, comps later in the season. That's basically it for the goods. I think uh, the main guy there to look at is probably Nick, Nick Meany. Um, we'll be very interested to see what happens with him next year with Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, who's going to get the one, first crack at the one jersey? If Pappenhausen does get the one, does Meany go to a wing? Does, what does that mean for Will Warbrick? Does he go into the centers? What does that mean for any of the potential guys there? So Nick Meany is going to be the bit of a floating piece with his Melbourne Storm system. And it'll be very interesting to see in training camp to see where he slots in there. Cam Munster. In such a shallow position of 5'8", like I've been talking about, I think no one's really paying attention to what a wasteland that is. And, you know, we talk about Hooker being a absolute wasteland. I think 5'8's not much better once you kind of get past those top two or three guys. So Munster is still going to have tremendous value. I think in most leagues, he will go first round. I've got him as the 22nd overall player. I think I've got him as a second round grade. Uh, I just think that that 71, I don't see another world where he goes to an 81 unless he dramatically changes the style of play where he is not happy to sit on the back foot against some of these low teams, get a 30 while Jerome Hughes racks at the points. I think if he's going to go and get back into that high 70s, 80 average, you're going to have to see him really, you know, he's going to want something. He's probably going to need to 
want to win a Dally M and he just goes hard every game. So that's where I think, um, you know, the reports are out of training camp that, you know, he's fit and firing, you know, he wants to win Origin, he wants to win a Dally M. If all those stories come in, then, okay, let's bump him up a little bit. But I still wouldn't have him in the top 12 right now. I think there are t- definitely 12 to 13 players who I'd much rather have for the upcoming season, all things considered right now. Who are the fails? Who are the guys that, you know, didn't live up to the expectations? So I've got a couple of guys here. And it might be a bit harsh, but from what the preseason hype was and what the opportunity was. So I'll go with Trent Liera first, my boy. Um, a 50 average. So you think about that, his first real season on the edge this year, nothing seems that with a 50 average. But for me, it was really open. He was going to be sitting on Cam Munster's hip. Uh, he's had plenty of run in that system. I, you know, thought he would be in the Elicator role um, and it would obviously switch places to where I thought that would be. So I do think that Liera gets a slight knock there. Still an average fine player, someone who will be available on waivers uh, in a lot of comps and you can pick and play him for a, for a week. I've got Christian Welch there. Finished with a 52 average, which just surprised me. Um, but yeah, we were kind of talking about, you know, he's back off that injury now, especially from a classic sense. He started at a nice mid-price where we thought, you know, he can get up to a 60 fat amount and then sell him on. Never really happened in draft. I think if you did draft him, he was uh, average draft position 109. So that's a very nice pick that could have been someone else. So I think he will dramatically fall down next year. Still a very serviceable guy, you know, if you're picking in those last couple of rounds and he's there as your front row forward, second two RF, by all means, grab him. Uh, but yeah, for me, not really there. Uh, Xavier Coates, one of those guys, a 44 average, had a couple of huge scores in there. To me, he's just a stereotypical uh, third, uh, fourth center wing, uh, average drop position of 131. Don't want to be sniffing that. I think Nass with a 50 overall average, um, average drop position 98. Uh, went high in a lot of leagues, including ours. Again, just the type of guy. Bellingham likes to play him off the off the bench sometimes. Switches between the edge and the middle. Uh, I'll be interested to see if he does get dual next year because he does float around a little bit. If that happens, then by all means, I think he becomes very juicy. Um, but yeah, other than that, a couple of other guys here. Justin Olam, I'll mention. 145 was his average drop position. Finished with a 41. Only played the 15 games. So pretty disappointing there. And then obviously you have to mention Ryan Pappenhausen just because guys like me who did, you know, punt round six and I held him all year. He literally held me a bench spot all year because I was like, just give me to the end and I'll play him. So uh, Pappy's going to be one of those guys. I don't think he'll be a fail again next year if he can stay healthy, obviously. Uh, finished with a 44 average in those two games. I do think he's going to have tremendous value um, heading to next year. He's going to be very low. Last year, he had an average draft position of 16, but that was a lot of pre-drafts. So I think he'll be well and truly down the order. You're going to have to bring him up if you want to try and draft him early. I've got him as a 21st overall player at the end of the second round, and I think that's exactly where he will go. Now, if he comes out in the offseason and, you know, in the trials, he's named at number one, he's goal-kicking, he's fit and healthy, bump him up into maybe, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, up into that maybe 8, 9, 10 range. Uh, but I can't see him pushing into the top six. I think there's the quality this year, especially of really that top five to six, is very, very strong. Uh, I think there are six guys that I think are guaranteed, if stay healthy, 70, 75 averages. Um, and yeah, I think Pappy needs to work his way in there. So that's where I'd have him there. All right, guys, 2024 hope. What do we think is going to happen with this team? Now, 
I think that it hinges on a couple of things. I think obviously Pappenhausen is the big one. If there's a healthy Ryan Pappenhausen, it just opens up the attack. I think that really helps uh, Cameron Munster. I think it will even more help Jerome Hughes. What does it ask to that back line? We need to work out is Justin Olam still the first choice center wing option? Do we have Nick Meany going into the wing with Warbrick or does Xavier Coates get moved? Because I think those two are pretty set. Very good. When you look at, especially if you're going to play Pappenhausen in the back, you've got to have those two big wingers to manage carry. So now you're looking at that center position. You've got Young, you've got Seve, you've got Olam, Meany. Uh, you're going to have Sewer coming back through. Uh, the young fellow, they're going to need to try and get minutes into him. So, yeah, I think with caution, that back line, I think there's a couple of guys there that are obviously no-brainers. If he's healthy, a pappy, uh, the two halves. But anyone else in that back line, even a guy like Warbrick and Xavier Coastway, you think would be safe. I just, I think Bellamy showed his cards this year with, with dropping Justin Nolan, where that's a PNG captain, a guy that's come through there and really made, been a mainstay of that side. If he can get dropped, surely these other guys can get dropped as well. So a bit of caution until we kind of find out a bit more in training camp and see what happens there. Forward pack, I think Eli Katoa is a smash hit. I think he's going to be great. I think Nass with a duel potentially becomes a little bit interesting. He had a couple of injuries this year, so getting him for a fit and healthy season will help that cause. And then Harry Grant, obviously, to me, like I said, I got him at number 15 or 16 overall, I think it was. He's the top hooker. If you look at the options after the first seven to eight picks, like I said, those premier guys, if you look at the next couple of guys, we're in that Dylan Brown, Tedesco, Johnson, DCE. If you're in that range and you're just like not seeing anything that I like and you just want to take the hooker, take the hooker. I think Harry Grant is a tremendous option heading into next year. I think that hooker position, like I said, let's not overthink the room, guys. I think it's now time to just, similar with your front row forward, you want to do as minimal trades as possible during the season. You want to try and nail that early on. Easiest way to nail hooker is just have a Harry Grant as one of them with a serviceable guy who starts cheap as a second guy. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, you know you're going to be guaranteed. You know, if you get a 40 in that position from Harry Grant one week, 60% of coaches will have it as well. So I think that's the easiest play there. The interesting one is the Munster and the Hughes. I think for me, those are the guys where in 5-8 for Munster's calls, you've got uh, obviously Dillbags and Cody Walker as the main two guys there. Um, I think Cam might be a bit of a pod heading into next year. I think a guy, some guys might be soured on him. And then obviously with Jerome Hughes, you've got a stack of halfback options. Cleary, Hines, DC, Johnson, Moses, Hughes. There's literally six guys that you can pick out and go, I want to start with that guy depending on their draw. So the, the hope that I have for this team in 2024 from a super coach perspective is their guns will still fire. And to me, what they did this year, you give another season to that young forward pack, you know, Katoa, Liero, Josh King in a major role, Nass getting a healthy season into him, Welch another season after his uh, injuries. So that full pack can kind of gel with Harry Grant running around. Then you've got Ryan Pappenhausen at the back. I think that's the big variable. I think you can push everyone's averages up by about five if that happens. If there's a bit more flowing in the attack, Nick Meany very serviceable, but obviously had his points where he was just kind of the guy to the link play would crash over. Very good player, but you're going from a from a super coach perspective, you're going to a different level 
with Ryan Pappenhausen. I think he will be another swing guy. We're going to have a full pod coming up after this series where we're going to analyze the swing guys. What are, who are the top 10 to 15 guys that will swing, draft, comp swing, classic comps, depending on how you get it right. I think Pappenhausen is the easy number one answer because if you draft Pappenhausen, you will probably have to go early this year. I think there will be guys that will still want to take him in that first round, especially if there is word that he's fit and get that number one jersey. Uh, but again, similar to this year, if you went early and you held him all year and he got he got injured again, slow to come back. So to me, it's going to be a fascinating year for the Melbourne Storm. I think that their offseason is huge. They obviously fell off in, if we're talking real NRL super coach, uh, NRL standards, uh, they got blown off the park against the Panthers. There was games this year where they were not in these games. So Billy X got to do something with that four pack to make sure it's right. I think the fullback spot is huge. And I think Cam Munster, what are we getting from Cam Munster? Are we just getting the guy that, you know, will fight for the big games and be missing? Because in Supercoach, that's not what we want from a top one to two draft round draft pick. We want guys that go out there, smash in most games, especially against those bad teams. Those bad Cam Munster scoring 80 against the Panthers is good for that week. But the beauty of a guy like Scott Drinkwater is he'll go up against the Bulldogs and put a 160 on. And that's what Cam Munster needs. So if we're going to be drafting that high, that's what I want to kind of hear that. He's gone for that Delium. Every game means something to him. That's when I think um, that value will come back from a Cam Munster player there. We'll leave it there, guys. Short and sweet, like I said, it's one of these teams that, uh, out of the definitely out of these last four, that there's a bit of uncertainty because there wasn't that many greats. You obviously got the couple of guys there, but a lot of projection into next year where they can get better. So, an interesting one to talk about, but we will be back with three more teams. Obviously, the next team, the Waz, is next, uh, which is very exciting from the Supercoach, probably the funnest one uh, on this whole list here. So, thanks for listening, guys. Get to the socials at the SC Halfback. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Hear from you soon. Cheers.